Hello and welcome to Learning More with the Core, your Community Health Core podcast. My name is Keely Alverson and I am a social work intern with Community Health Core, East Texas's local mental health and IDD authority. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with the City of Longview's post officer, Chris Birdsong. Officer Birdsong is an East Texas native, having been born and raised in Longview, Texas. He has served 19 years as a peace officer with the Longview Police Department, and throughout this time, he achieved a Master's Peace Officer certification, all while serving his community as a member of the SWAT team, a field training officer, a mental health peace officer, and in his current role as a post officer. So please enjoy Post Officer Birdsong. Well, hello and welcome, Officer Birdsong. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Thank you for having me here. Yes, sir. Thank you for making time. I know we got delayed a few times. First, can you just tell me what POST means? So POST, <laughs> post stands for uh, Police Outreach Services Team. And for those listening, it's on his shirt, and I should have just saw that yeah. <laughs> and read it. Yeah, it's right here. <laughs> can, you, can you run down what it is you do as, as a POST officer? So a, a variety of, of um, I have a variety of things that I do. It's a homeless outreach is what it is. Mm-hmm. So simply said, I work with the homeless population. I connect with them and uh, try to get to know uh, who, who the homeless population is here in Longview and see how I can connect with them and, and uh, try to help change the situation in simple terms. Okay. How did you get into it? Um, the division was actually created in 2019. and. Uh, one of the officers, it's made up of two officers. One of the officers retired in 21. Mm-hmm. And so I um, applied for the position and interviewed, and here we are. <laughs> two two years later, as of the 21st. Oh, okay. So we got a couple more days left, a few more days left, and it'll be two years, two year anniversary. Right on. <clears throat> so how did you get interested in working with mental health? Because I know when people think of law enforcement, Mental health doesn't come to their mind. Well, it does mine, but <laughs> most people's it doesn't. I do have a mental health background. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, back in 1999, after playing playing football, I um, I worked at a facility called uh, Meadow Pines Hospital, and um, that's when I first started working with mental health. I liked it. That job, I was there four years, uh-huh. and I was a unit manager and. Um, it trend, you know, once the facility shut down, I had recently uh, applied for the police officer position. Mm-hmm. So in 2004 is when I actually got hired. Well, if you know anything about police and uh, the majority of the causes that you deal with are dealing with mental health, mm-hmm. the mental health population. So I had to learn real quickly um, how to how to communicate yeah. and how to. Um, basically how to handle those situations. So Middle Pines actually prepared me for mm-hmm. the uniform. And it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty rather easy transition. Yeah. Not just easy, but it made life familiar. It, 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 yeah, I yeah. was pretty familiar with um, that particular population because I had been there before. Mm-hmm. It, the only difference was it was in a facility. What skills, <clears throat> what skills do you think you've brought with working with the unhoused population in Longview from working with Meadow Pines? Um, just out of simply talk to people. 
although a lot of them have, uh, suffer with mental illness, uh, you'd be surprised just just talking to a, a person in simple terms mm -hmm. and not talking over their head and not talking at them or patronizing uh, them, exactly. things of that sort. Um, just talk talk to them like they're human, and you'd be surprised. You go a long way. I believe that. So, what services are they? Are you typically assisting them with? Um, like, what's a typical day look like for you? <laughs> a typical day, um, I, I became really, uh, my forte, I, I really get an enjoyment out in helping people to get off drugs. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of the people that I deal with in the homeless population, uh, a lot of them use drugs. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of them have mental health or both. Mm -hmm. And so it made sense to me uh, to attack that issue first before uh, moving to all the other resources. Yeah. And so I believe change come with the mind first once you get to know them and, and you know, share some stories with them and, you know, kind of build build trust. Then we can talk about, let's get off, you know, getting off drugs. Yeah. So to answer your question, one of the big things that I, that I really, really shoot for is uh, drug rehab. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been pretty successful in the last two years. Uh, but, but first, it, it, it started with the basic needs. You know, yes, because if we don't have those, exactly. we can't do nothing else. Yeah, a, tip, a typical day when I meet some, and kind of somebody that I really don't know, um, getting them to the basic services. Mm -hmm. For example, um, somewhere to take a, take a shower, somewhere to wash their clothes, somewhere where they can shower. Because we take a lot of this for granted. A lot of times, the, the homeless population, they don't have that for mm -mm. days at a time. Yeah. And so to offer that at a, at a place where they're comfortable, mm -hmm. um, it, it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. So um, So that's how you've connected with Community Health yes. Corps. Yes. How long have you been working alongside? And I know it's not we're not the only community partner you work with, right, right. but since you're on our podcast. I, I've known <laughs> about Community Health Corps, um, of course, the majority of my career as an officer, which that's 19 years. Yeah. Uh, being that they are the mental health authority, then we are required to, you know, to know about their services and what they do. Yeah. And so um, uh, now that I'm in this division, I, I tend to work a little closer with Community Health Corps mm -hmm. because of, of um, the mission that I'm trying to accomplish, which is getting people the mental health assistance. Yeah, rehabilitated. And uh, getting them help, you know. Yeah. For, uh, mental health services and, and rehab services. Would you say you work more closely with the community health workers, Christy Warren's program, because they're out there doing Narcan? Um, and I think they're they're relatively new. Mm -hmm. I, I've met them a few times. I work closer actually with the um, some of the evaluators, like crisis. Yeah, crisis. Yeah. Yes, and um, <clears throat> I work directly, Miss um, Jessica. Yes. And uh, Miss Mel Melanie. Yes. Uh, Kim King, you know, <coughs> excuse me, um, work pretty close with them because I see them more so at, um, when I actually get somebody to the hospital, take somebody to the They're hospital. They're there. Yes. Yeah. And if I have questions, of course, you know, that's my direct line of contact. Right. Yeah. So you've got those connections. How long do you think it took you to build that? <sighs> pretty quick. Yeah. Um, you know, within months of actually moving in this division, um, I don't mind calling and asking questions. Yeah. 
In other words, I don't mind getting on their nerves. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, if I got some questions I, I, I ask, I won't know until I ask. Yeah. So, to answer your question, we got connected pretty quickly. Okay. Because I tend to, I tend to call and ask questions. So, who are you most likely referring to? I know sometimes in serious situations you're having to go to the ER. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, where what partners are you working with within the state? Or is it only in the state, or can you go out? Uh, you mean other community health workers? Oh, I'm sorry. Like, um, you're dealing with substance abuse, so mm-hmm. you're trying to send them to treatment facilities. Mm-hmm. What facilities are oh, available to I, you? I, I have a, quite a bit a that plethora. I use. Uh, yeah, <laughs> over the time, I've networked, and one network turned into another and into another. Yeah. I've sent people to... California, Tennessee, oh, wow. Arkansas, um, here in East Texas, Tyler, Dallas, Shreveport. I mean, um, I've sent people a lot of places. How do you start that conversation? Because I can't imagine they're like, yeah, send me to treatment. It's almost like. It's three states <laughs> away. <laughs> Excuse me, I have a friend of mine who, who uh, he's in sales, and he said, man, basically you're in sales. And I'm like, no, I'm not in sales. Sort of. And the more he explained it, I'm like, well, I guess I am without, <laughs> yeah. without getting commission. Yeah. With a monetarily commission, in other words. Yeah. I get a lot of commission because of the, of the joy I get of getting people yeah. uh, in rehab. But to answer your question, I believe conversation is powerful. Mm-hmm. Genuine conversation yeah. is powerful. And so when I talk to people, um, I talk to them from a genuine standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to share some of my stories as well. Yeah. As far as you know, what I've dealt with with family and and close close people in my close circle, you know. Yeah. And so um, it becomes personal to me to help them get clean now. And so. Ooh, that's it, dangerous. It, yeah, it becomes personal <laughs> because you you know I've been affected. Yeah. You know, uh, been affected personally um, with family. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when that, once it becomes personal to you, it, it, it becomes, it's not even work anymore. It's easy mm-hmm. because it, it's, it's not a skit or a plan. It's, yeah. it's a genuine conversation. Yeah. It's about life. And, and so sometimes I tend to hit them in the heart and also hit my own self in yeah. the heart. So when that happens, we talk about life. Mm-hmm. And we talk about getting better in life. And one of the things of getting better is getting rid of drugs out of your life. Yeah. And so uh, once that happens, because of the networking, each individual uh, that I talk to, one facility is not good for every person. Right. So now I can almost have my mental Rolodex, mm-hmm. my mental Rolodex, and just fill up, you know, I know which one will fit this person and that yeah. person. And we uh, move, from, move from there. Wow. I like what you said about how powerful conversation is and you treat them like they're mm-hmm. your friend and or family. Yeah, it, it's actually become almost like a referral system now. My, my work phone will, will go off <laughs> late at night yeah. and, and they'll be transparent with me. Yeah. And they'll tell me, hey, you know, you helped my buddy get in rehab mm-hmm. and, and he told me about you and we were actually talking about this while we were getting high. Wow. And he said, I really don't want to be, you know, don't want to be like this, but, you know, can you help me? Yeah. And so when somebody called and say that, when somebody, you know, they. That gives me chills. Yeah. I, I mean, mean that's how, wild. How, um, for them to, to really be that transparent mm-hmm. and, and, and say that to an officer, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's another barrier yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I take a lot of uh, pride in that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happens, then it's time for me to, in my in my mind, it's time to go all out and try to help that person to um, let's go to the next level. Yeah. Let's get clean. So currently it's you and Officer Duncan. Yes. Is there a goal for there to be more? Um, <clears throat> this, I call it the tweaking phase. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you've got everyone's attention. <laughs> okay, so let me clarify that. When the unit first started, the two officers that went, they went to, it was brand new. Yeah. I mean, this was something new to East Texas. Yeah. It was something relatively new to departments in the state in the, in the nation mm-hmm. and so being a town the size of Longview um, they commissioned two officers and put them in the unit yeah. and sent them to Houston and they Houston have one of the top outreach team homeless outreach teams in the country yes and so what they did was um, shadowed them for a few days and took ideas mm-hmm. and brought it back and started the unit well two years later I came on mm-hmm. and of course my, my thought process was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like I said, it made sense to me to uh, attack drug, the drug problem if mm-hmm. I was going to do outreach. And so that was like an added bonus. Mm-hmm. Well, this past weekend, or last week rather, I went to Houston mm-hmm. and, and worked with them for a couple of days and it, it changed the game for me. So there are things that I want to bring and implement here. Adapt to this rural area because exactly. Houston is, you know, vast. <clears throat> so what, is, what does that mean with tweaking? All right, yeah. So <laughs> we take their ideas. Of course, Longview is not Houston. We can't do yeah. everything just like Houston because it's two different elements. Yeah, we don't have as many resources. And so we take those ideas and tweak them mm-hmm. to fit Longview. Okay. That's okay. what I meant about the tweak. There we go. We've <laughs> come round circle. <laughs> um, you said a only a few days like how much is jammed in in those days like, well <clears throat> what are y'all looking at I, I, I wanted to to shadow there were there were it have been a lot of things that I've been doing off the record that Houston does anyway okay and so when I was able to see it I'm like whoa so there it is you know it confirmed that the things that that I had been trying it's successful uh, yeah so now it's time to like implement it as the way to do it mm-hmm. you know um, for example i wear a different uniform than the traditional blue uniform yes i drive a an unmarked car mm-hmm. <clears throat> and those reasons are to have a softer approach yes let's just face it a lot of people don't want to talk to the police yeah when they see the blue uniform or oh, you're here to arrest me yeah well my uniform it's a it's a uniform mm-hmm. but it's not it don't look like the it's less Patrol. threatening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when I pull up, you, people know that hey, they, he must be the police. It's yeah. All black car, tinted windows, <laughs> black wheels. Yeah. Black on black, but it's not as intimidating as the uh, the lights, the patrol car. Yeah, the whole thing. <clears throat> and so um, that in itself helps the situation. Yeah. Um, as it, a softer approach. Now, the things that that's being implemented is sometimes bring a social worker type person mm-hmm. on scene with me. Yeah. You know, bring them on scene and it, that's a, even a softer approach. Yeah. And it tells that person, well, you know what? He really is here to help me mm-hmm. because not only is he, not only is he talking to me about, you know, let's change and, you know, offering these services, but 
he's brought somebody here on out here in the woods yeah. to see me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, it's been working out. And have I, you uh, have you actually brought a social worker out? Yes, yes. I've brought. I've, I call it my inner circle uh, task force. Okay. So okay. you find out who who's have like like way of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, who don't mind getting their hands dirty? Yes. Yeah. That's the phrase. You know? Yeah. And I, I passionate for know, the cause. Uh, I know a couple of administrators at a couple of facilities. Okay. I have a lot of respect because they'll get up, they'll get out of their suit type clothes. Yeah. And they'll come to where we are, whether it be the woods or whether it be behind a dirty building. Wow. Uh, or whatever. We've actually saved, literally saved some lives. You know, there there are, um, there are a couple of people that I will call on. Yeah. Um, within your organization. Yeah. One Love Longview. Mm -hmm. You know they. Yeah, we love one love. We come, they they come, and we come together yeah. and go to where the problem is. Yeah. And we attack it in a positive way. When I say attack it, I mean we work yes. on it. Yes. And we uh, attack that issue. That's wild. I've I've heard there's programs like that, mm -hmm. like in other states. I know in Denver there's a STAR program where mm -hmm. they dispatch out. I mean, of course, they have to assess the situation and make sure there's less of a danger, you know, but they'll send out social workers and other mental health workers with a police officer. What's your opinion on that? Um, I, I think or what do you know? I, I think it's good. Let me, I, I can just give you the example of, of how, how I do it. Yeah. If I'm in a situation, case in point, I, there's no sense in giving me a scenario. I'll give you a real one. Okay. Uh, we had a guy who was, he had had a stroke, mm -hmm. actually two strokes. After the second stroke, he was hit by a car. Ooh. So he had traumatic brain injury on top of the stroke. Honey, okay. Not to mention he was substance abuse. Yeah. So he would walk the streets and he would be soiled and he would sometimes pass out and we would, you know, patrol would get a plethora of calls. I'm mm -hmm. talking about in excess of 25 to 30 calls per week on that one individual. Wow. And so when I hear a name too much, then my wheels start rolling in my brain. Well, what can I do to fix this situation? Mm -hmm. And so one particular day, I went to him at a park, and it was um, it was real hot outside. It was right at 100 degrees, mm -hmm. and there were flies on him, and he was, mm -hmm. you know, pretty dirty and stuff. And and so I'm, I called one of my one of my social worker people, mm -hmm. my inner circle, my inner circle uh, task force people. Yeah, and uh, they came out. Well, there was nothing that could be done that day, so we got yeah. him in, in the ambulance and uh, sent him to the hospital. Okay. Well, the hospital stabilized him, mm -hmm. sent him back out, mm -hmm. and the cycle started again. Yeah. Well, I would get calls from patrol that this guy was being found again. Yeah. Well, um, I went and found him that morning, and at 6 o'clock that morning, and I made up my mind, I'm not going to leave him today until he's in somebody's facility where he's safe. Mm -hmm. So I went to McDonald's and I went and got a blanket and we are at Super One on 80 uh -huh. and we stayed there. I stayed there with him, me and him alone and I started making phone calls. Yeah. Well there was an administrator that came out. There was another administrator that came from another town. One of my One Love staff. I mm -hmm. mean they have all these people yeah. that were out there and I made the announcement we're not going anywhere today <laughs> until he's you know, wow. stable. And lo and behold the administrator at, at one of the local um, uh, facilities went into their administration and they negotiated the price way down. Mm -hmm. One Love had donors and they donated the money and he went in there and come to find out he had COVID and he was dying. Oh. And so um, they got him on the COVID unit and um, 
we got stabilized. Well, I called one of my uh, colleagues in Houston, and he fit into that facility. Mm -hmm. They came and picked him up, and he's still there to this day. Wow. So, uh, it's, from my understanding, they, they told me he was on his way to death. But So, those type of stories. You, you got yeah. a whole village together. Yeah. And yeah. that's really what it takes. Yeah. When, when I was told in interviewing for the position, I said, think outside of the box mm -hmm. and use non-traditional policing methods to fix the situation. Well, I took that all the way to heart. Man. So I'm, that means think outside of the box, and that means get the job done. Yeah. You know, and if it's all about helping somebody, you know, yeah. change the situation, then that's what we're going to do. Sounds like you were made for this position. I mean, Maybe. don't retire, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> I was at the CIT training in early December. Yeah. Well, y'all were talking to recruits and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I think your experience is so beneficial mm -hmm. to those recruits. I guess in a long way, I'm, I'm asking you to explain what the CIT program is. And um, we'll go from there. That's new to me. Um, I, I recently started teaching that. And so uh, crisis intervention training, that's basically teaching someone how to handle a, a, a crisis situation yeah. and how to present yourself to that person who's going through a crisis. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can't just go in there and present yourself to that person mm -hmm. as though they have all their mental faculties yeah. at that point. you got to meet them where they are. Exactly, exactly. Now, yeah, you, you still need to demonstrate, you know, safety. Of course. But um, present yourself in a way to where you're not threatening. Hopefully you can get through and reach that person. Yeah. Uh, in spite of what they're going through at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like by you sharing your experiences in that training will inspire some of these recruits? to under I mean, what do you Hopefully. feel like the vibe is of the new recruits? Are they... Do they realize that most of the cases they're handling um, is mental health? I think a lot of people, what I learned, and I learned this um, when I was in patrol training, tra uh, training new newcomers, Yeah, a lot of people have never experienced someone going through a crisis. Yeah. They, they've never seen it before. Um, so you have to prepare their minds as to what to expect, mm -hmm. you know. Of course, when you're informed, you are the first person that's called mm -hmm. to go and defuse that yeah. crisis situation. And yeah. so if you've never ever gone through that before, or ever seen what it looked like, it could be, <clears throat> it could spook you. Yeah. And it, could, it, 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 it truly will make you or break you. Yeah. Either you're going to, either you're going to figure out that day, well, I don't want this. Yeah. Or, or you know what, I need, I think I know what to do to alter my thought processes to handle it. Yeah. So you'll know that day. Yeah. <laughs> your first encounter, whether it's for you or whether it's not for you. I just found that training to be very enlightening to just to my idea and I guess my bias of what I thought recruits were being trained. Yeah, it, it's a little different from back when I started 19, 19 years ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I, I had that moment of what I just described my first week, uh -huh. you know, um, and he died. Right in front of him, yeah. and he died while I was doing, doing CPR. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, he went through a excited delirium. Mm. For those that don't know what that is, he he was basically 
he was high. Yeah. And um, whatever he took, took him out, but he began hallucinating before yeah, he died. Yeah, he wasn't in our reality. And uh, it was not a pretty situation. No. And it'd make you, you know, although I had seen a lot prior to that, I hadn't seen that before. No. And I can remember what it made me think about when I'm like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. You know? And, uh, but that's just the nature of, the nature of this job. Yeah. So. Y'all showed us really cool videos on CIT programs, like there was one in Memphis or Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we'll ever expand? I know we're a rural area, so it takes a longer time to get programs like that going, but it sounds like what you're doing is that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I really believe that this division is going to expand. Yeah. And um, I can see us doing that type of uh, policing where you just design, you're, you're only designated to deal with that type of population. Mm -hmm. It definitely takes a burden off, off patrol officers because patrol officers get all kind of calls. Yeah. And so if you have somebody that specializes in mental health calls mm -hmm. only, yeah. and, and um, it, it, in my opinion, it'll, it'll work a lot smoother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we need to kind of categorize things because everybody when they're in trouble mm -hmm. I think their mind is oh I got to call 911 mm -hmm. and then they realize wait this isn't exactly what I needed yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, every when I say every call the police get it first yeah I mean yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it's, it's a, a cat stuck uh, <laughs> in the fender wheel of a vehicle you know? I thought that was firefighters uh, trust <laughs> me, I, I, I know this because I had them <laughs> You know, a uh, possum on top of your house. I mean, oh, my police God. That's wild. You name it, we get the call, you know. That is wild. So working, going <laughs> back to your post officer, I think I went on a tangent. Uh, <laughs> what do you think the most common misconception that the public has of the people you're providing services to, of the unhoused population? Some people actually fear homeless people. They yes. think that they are going to harm them or something. They think that they are some type of vicious person. And in actuality, uh, that's, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Just like anybody else is, you know, it's possible that. Yeah, someone, we're humans. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but for the most part, uh, homeless people are, for the vast majority, are, are not uh, harmful at all. They're yeah. just in a bad situation. Yeah, and kind of starved from yeah. communicating mm -hmm. with others because mm -hmm. they are put as an other, mm -hmm. you know. Now, now, granted, there are some that want to live that lifestyle. They yeah. Don't want, they don't want the help, and they'll tell you. Yeah, they can't rather, function in society. Yeah, I'd rather stay out here. I'm free out in the woods. I'm yeah, we have a few in Longview I've met. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and for those that have that thought process, I mean, it's like you have to, you can't make them not be homeless. No. But what you can do, you can have their back. Mm -hmm. You can check on from time to time. Yeah. Develop some type of trust with them. Yeah and just check on them and make sure they are right. Yeah, I like that you said that. Yeah. I don't think anybody would be that honest, but I appreciate mm -hmm. that honesty. Mm -hmm. With all the challenges you have in front of you, how do you take care of yourself? What's your self-care? Oh my goodness, I wish <laughs> I knew how to. Um, <laughs> I don't have it all together. Yeah. Um, and, and it's easy to get lost into what you're doing Absolutely. Um, and I need to do better, just to be honest with you. Um, I've always liked uh, physical activity, mm -hmm. working out, which I, I don't do it as much as I used to. 
But that's about to change. Okay. Because uh, when I'm doing it, life tends to be better. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently, I, I I went out of town and to a state that I'd never been. I went to California for the first time. Ooh. And uh, I realized, man, I like this. Mm-hmm. So that's on my to-do list to take care of self is to start getting away more and, mm-hmm. and, and seeing stuff I've never seen, you know, places yeah. I've never been. It seemed like it cleared my mind mm-hmm. just to be away a little bit. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, that's what I'm intending to do. In the <laughs> new year, new you? A lot sooner than later. <laughs> Getting away and working out. Okay. Congrats on working out. I don't have the discipline yet. Maybe I will. I don't know. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time, and I really appreciate what you do for our community. I don't know if you get that a lot, but... Well, I appreciate you having me on. I mean that. Thank you.